You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears will have the same starting safety combination for back-to-back years for the first time since 2018. It's a great opportunity for Eddie Jackson to return to form and to Sean Gibson to continue to lock things down on the back end. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, join the Locked On Bears Facebook group, and make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video content. On the show today, we finally wrap up our Chicago Bears training camp previews with the safety position. Largely, in fact, entirely the same group as it was last season. We'll look at the value of that continuity on the back end. We'll look at how we can start to get Eddie Jackson to play closer to that elite level of play we saw a few years ago, as opposed to the decline we've seen as of late in Chuck Pagano's defense. And then we'll wrap up with a sneak in here of special teams. A quick training camp special teams preview to kind of put a bow on our look across the full 90-man roster. But let's start with the safeties here because it's a, it's a group I guess I'm, I'm glad I ended on. And I don't know that I necessarily saved the best for last because it really does feel like stability here for the first time since 2018. It is the only position on the roster completely unchanged from August of 2020 to, to August of 2021. It's the same exact group from top to bottom. Eddie Jackson to Sean Gibson, Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, and then Jordan Lucas and Marquis Christian rounding out the back of the bench. Exactly the same top to bottom. A couple of, you know, there's been some fluctuation here and there, but from where we were in August of last year to where we are in August now, it's, it's the same group. We saw Jordan Lucas opt out of last season, so we didn't really get to be a part of the season last year. Marquis Christian was kind of then added for depth to be a part of this same roster. Both of them back this season after sort of supposed to be around last season. And again, it's, it's top to bottom the six, the same six safeties. And so for me, I think that means right away some cohesion and comfort for both Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson. This is kind of this idea that we talked about on yesterday's podcast with the cornerbacks. Same kind of thing we talked about with the offensive line, where it's the value of really, truly, thoroughly knowing the guy next to you. Knowing not just like, I know his name and I know his general skill set, but being able to build almost like a shared muscle memory is what I try and think of it of, where I know without having to think or guess or hesitate how much space I can leave between me and him to be able to fill in that space if I need to. So if we're two deep safeties and Jackson's got the left half of the field and Gibson has the right half of the field, Jackson, the more you spend more time with your your teammate, the more you know how much ground he can cover based on every situation. And you can kind of have a feel for where I need to be in relation to him because I've been playing next to him for 16 plus weeks now, 16 plus games plus I guess a playoff game is 17 games and now another 17 game season. They know each other better than 
you know, haha, Clinton Dix coming off the street, or when Gibson first came off the street. And it's like, yes, I generally know is this guy fast or not? You know, how quickly does he move? You know, what is his skill set? Where is he more comfortable? Right? You get sort of a general, almost like scouting report on your own teammates. But to really be able to click and understand how he moves from a more of an instinctual and a feel level, not measuring his 40-yard dash or his three-cone time or anything, but just having, having that feeling that in the middle of a play, I know that, okay, if this route tends to drift this direction towards him, I only need to follow it about this much before I know Gibson has it and I can break off. And that's not something that you can always just measure in terms of its three yards on every situation because, you, you know, it's just a feel thing. It's much more an art than a science. It's also about timing and recovery speed and when to pass things off and when you need to be able to pick up what Tashawn Gibson might be doing. It's not, I'm just using my, you know, this as Eddie Jackson as an example. It's not an indictment on Tashawn Gibson by any means. It's just pick either one for this sort of an example. That's sort of all on top of this idea of the human connection between two players, the friendship, the bond, the brotherhood they form at the safety position on that back end to really be fighting for this human being that you know through and through. It's not just some guy that straps on the helmet and wears the same colors you do, but that becomes like a person that you genuinely know deeply and care about the more time you spend with them on the back end. And it helps not just with the starters, but with the backups too. That when, you know, if Deion Bush has to get in the game because there's an injury or, you know, a player, you know, has to come off the field for equipment issues, shoes untied or whatever it might be, that he's been practicing in this defense and knows everything thoroughly to fill in quickly with Eddie Jackson or DeAndre Houston Carson. I mean, it's kind of surprising to me as you look back, both Bush and Houston Carson are entering their sixth seasons with the Chicago Bears, guys that just, again, kind of refuse to go anywhere else. It's, it's almost hard to believe how quickly that's been, but you start to do the math on, on when they were drafted. It's like, yeah, this is year six for your backup safeties. I think it feels pretty rare to have the same two backup safeties on your team for six seasons straight. Now what we're going in year five of Eddie Jackson and now year two of Tashawn Gibson to have a little bit more of a continuity. Now you add Jordan Lucas and Marquise Christian, to the mix. And it always does seem like the Bears bring in some kind of depth at safety to compete with Houston Carson and Bush to not like they're trying to push them off the roster, but just to keep them honest and have a, a couple of other options in there. Of course, when you're talking about these backups at that position in particular, it's all about the special teams. I mean, Jordan Lucas and Marquis Christian have been good special teams players before. So have Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson. I mean, that's how they've been here for six years. And it really feels like to me, Bush and Houston Carson will always have the edge because even if you've got two special teams players that are pretty even in that regard, one of them has six years in this Bears defense. <laughs> you're you're going to go with the guy that's got the defensive experience to fill in, in addition to the great special teams excellent as well. Feels like they've never really given Deion Bush a fair shot at like starting. They've always been able to just kind of bring in a consistent veteran, and by all means, that's... The, probably the smarter thing to do is to have a guy that you know for sure as opposed to taking a chance on what Bush may or may not be as a, as a potential starter in this Bears defense. But it, it certainly makes Eddie Jackson's job a little bit easier to have all this continuity surrounding him, even as things have sort of dropped off a little bit over the last couple of years. We'll explore what new defensive coordinator Sean Desai can do to get Eddie Jackson back closer to that 2018 level of elite play Next, on Locked On Bears. You want to talk about elite play. You're always getting an elite treat with our friends at Built Bar, the makers of the world's best 
tasting protein bar. Truly elite MVP status, Super Bowl champion protein bars because they taste like candy bars. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, completely coated, every single side. They're all soft and easy to chew. But most importantly, low calories, low sugar, but high fiber and high protein. You can't get this combination of taste and nutrients anywhere else, plus coming in so many different delicious flavors. I have tried every single one up to this point. They have like a mixed flavor box where you can try every flavor and see which ones you love best, but I promise you can't go wrong with any of them. They are all good. My personal favorites, salted caramel has a quite a bit of like a Milky Way bar taste to me. The strawberry, the raspberry is a great fruity treat. The coconut, oh, and the cookies and cream taste like a chocolate-dipped marshmallow. I mean, ugh. So many good flavors of Built Bars. You got to try them for yourself. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll save 15% off on your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Feels like we've kind of got 15% off Eddie Jackson the last couple of seasons, right? Hasn't been quite that elite dynamic playmaker that we saw in 2018. And maybe we got our expectations too high. I mean, he had just, I mean, he was one of the, maybe the best safety in the NFL that season, if not top three, top five at worst, best safety in the NFL. And maybe it wasn't fair to expect a fourth round pick to play like a top five safety every season from then on out. But I think it is fair to be a little bit disappointed in what we've seen. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been a you know liability back there, getting blown away by you know giving up big plays all the time and just you know this is not a Chris Conti situation. I hate to I hate to like rethrow Chris Conti under the bus because he's had just horrible horrible things said to and about him, and I wish nothing but the best for Chris Conti. But you know what I mean that that sort of style, right? We've seen some really bad Bears safeties over the years, and Eddie Jackson has not gotten down to that level, but it has been a step back from where we thought he would be. And more importantly, back-to-back decline, right? It wasn't just like one bad year in 2019, then he bounced back. It was kind of two, two down years from where we had seen him before. And so it's easy to connect the dots and say, well, you switch from Vic Fangio's scheme to Chuck Pagano's scheme, and Eddie Jackson's no longer being put in quite the same positions. And that to me, it does seem like a contributing factor to Eddie Jackson's decline. We'll get into it a little bit. I think it's a little more nuanced than that, and it's never that black and white. That just coach changes, and therefore the, the whole thing falls apart. But a lot, a lot of what you see Bears fans pointing to is how Eddie Jackson was used from a positional split, you know, playing the free safety spot versus more of a strong safety role down in the box or in the slot and moving around in some of those different areas. And as I was looking back at the snap numbers for where these two Bears safeties were played in 2020, the splits for Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson are like identical. We're talking less than a full percentage points difference. I mean, it's literally like 10 snaps out of 1,000 over the season is the difference between how much they were playing free safety and, and box safety. It's essentially virtually measured to be the same if you, if you just round the decimal point. But the difference is, so, so let, me, let me put it this way. They both played free safety the same amount, which means then they both had to be playing not free safety the same amount. Because if we're saying those are the only two options, you're either playing free safety or you're not playing free safety. Those were the same. But for the difference between the two of them was when Jackson's not playing free safety, he played a lot more like 
pure slot cornerback. Like when he's coming down from that safety role, he's getting into the slot and at least lining up matched up against a, a, a receiver, right? It's not, he's not always in man coverage against that receiver, but he's lining up pre-snap in like a slot cornerback role opposite maybe another slot cornerback. Or if there's three receivers to one side, you know, he'll be the inside slot and Buster Screen will be the outside slot. Whereas to Sean Gibson, when he would come down from the free safety role, he was much more often in the box. Not quite a linebacker, but not lined up exactly in the slot either. Really that true, when you think of a strong safety, right? He's not a pure linebacker spot. It's kind of this extra overhang defender down in the box. That's more how Tashawn Gibson was used when he was up near the line of scrimmage. So there was a difference, uh, more of a difference, a more pronounced difference in how they were used as strong safeties. But from a free safety standpoint, it was pretty much identical for those two. But when you compare how Jackson was used this year in 2020, I guess last year, going to have to get over that designation at some point here. You compare that back to 2018, his great year in Vic Fangio's defense. Eddie Jackson played a lot more free safety then. Even last year, he was playing over half of his snaps at free safety, right? He is still, and both Gibson and Jackson are playing a lot of free safety. There's still a decent amount of two deep coverages. They roll a lot of things different ways, and they both end up getting quite a bit of involvement there. But he was even more pronounced in 2018. I don't have the exact percentages in front of me, but think of last year as like, I'm going to ballpark here looking at the numbers without doing the math in my head, 55 to 60% free safety last year. 2018, more like two-thirds to three-quarters, you know, that 65 70% free safety type role. So we're talking about increments here, right? It's not a completely, it wasn't, Pagano wasn't using him completely differently than Vic Fangio ever had before, but it was noticeable enough. And also I noticed a lot less of the slot cornerback role when Jackson was coming up in the box, a little bit more of that roaming underneath safety as opposed to being a little more matched up with a slot receiver specifically. And e- even looking back at that 2018 season, Adrian Amos played quite a bit more free safety than you might remember. Right? We think of him as a box guy, but he, he and Eddie Jackson actually played fairly similar rates of free safety. Adrian Amos played more free safety in 2018 than Tashawn Gibson did in 2020, if that kind of gives you a sense of how those roles played out. So it's not as though Chuck Pagano didn't run those two deep coverages that we're anticipating Sean Desai will bring back because Vic Fangio ran so many more of them. But there's a, there's a balance there of like, you don't want to be too predictable in terms of what kind of coverages you're going to run so that quarterbacks aren't always figuring out what you're going to do. But Vic Fangio was so good at really disguising it, you know, whether that's rolling a safety down or back, or a lot of times it's kind of like variations and checks and adjustments where you know, if a receiver goes in motion, a, a player might follow him like it's man-to-man, but then they'll just adjust the zone around him. And so a player might end up covering a different spot in the scheme, you know, if it's cover two and you got two deep safeties and five underneath players, maybe some of your underneath players will end up switching spots and still you're still in the same coverage, but it looks different for the opposing quarterbacks because different players are going into different spots than they might have otherwise in their normal alignment. And, it all, and you know, there's some certain pattern matching concepts where certain zones will become man-to-man coverage if receivers run a certain route combination. You know, if this receiver goes vertical, then it's man-to-man coverage. If this receiver goes across the middle, then I'm playing zone. And it becomes hard for opposing quarterbacks to then read, okay, that guy's in man-to-man coverage, but that guy's in zone. So wait, which, what coverage are they playing? In those three seconds, you're trying to throw the ball before a pass rusher comes get you and while you're waiting for the coverage to play out and wait for your receiver to get open, right? That's sort of the, the nuance and the magic of, of playing coverage in the NFL. And so 
there's there's a nice versatility that you have with Tashawn Gibson in that Adrian Amos role, being able to kind of do both a free safety and a strong safety thing. Whereas it felt like haha Clinton Dix in 2019, a little bit more of a pure free safety. I mean, they asked him to do some of the strong safety stuff, but he was less comfortable in that role and it made you more inclined to want to take Eddie Jackson out of that role. And so now Gibson is a little bit more versatile in that regard, maybe a slightly limited ceiling, but it's not as simple as just, all right, then Sean Desai needs to play Eddie Jackson more at free safety, right? There's there's different types of free safety roles, a single deep coverage versus a two deep coverage. And Jackson has always been a little bit better in that two deep role where he only has half the field in front of him and he can be a little bit more aggressive. He's only keeping an eye on, you know, two or three receivers to his side as opposed to all five across the middle of the field and making sure that he's not, you know, no one's getting deeper than him. A two deep role, you can you have another safety to pass things off and you can be a little bit more free-flowing and aggressive like we saw him in 2018. And so for Jackson to get back to more of that 2018 level, it's it's about putting him in a better position to be successful, maybe scheming him up a little bit more so in those types of coverages where he seemed to be most comfortable, better play calling overall, mixing up the coverages. But for me, a lot is going to hinge on how well the cornerbacks play in front of him. And we talked about this quite a bit on yesterday's Lockdown Bears podcast about so much of this defensive success for me is going to hinge on how well those cornerbacks can do their jobs in holding down some of that coverage responsibility because that then allows Jackson to not have to be as sharp. You know, he doesn't have to be, like, watching out to fix a mistake if somebody gets beat in coverage and he has to go help there. Like, he can more attack the ball and be more of a downhill aggressive safety as opposed to a safety who has to kind of always be on the back end making sure that a big play doesn't blow by him. So there's a mutual relationship there just like with the pass rush and the coverage where if the pass rush can be a little bit better, the, the safeties can be a little bit more aggressive because the quarterback has to get rid of the ball sooner. And if the coverage is better, that helps the pass rush do better too. There's, it's, it's a great sort of symbiotic relationship that makes football so exciting. It's, it's, it's just how every player, every position really matters across the board, including special teams. You know, with, with the safety position kind of so cut and dry, same kind of group at training camp this season, let's sneak in a quick Bears training camp special teams preview next on Locked on Bears. Thought about doing a whole podcast on just Bears special teams, but I didn't want to put you through 25 minutes of long snapper talk on the podcast because I mean large special teams like the safety pretty much top to bottom same group I think the Bears brought in an undrafted kicker uh, Brian Johnson I can't tell you that I know anything about him other than he played at Virginia Tech he's an undrafted free agent and this is classic you know camp leg to have another person that can do kickoffs or kick field goals or whatever during camp you don't have to have Cairo Santo kick every time you need someone to kick but I am curious what the fan base's confidence level is in Cairo Santos. Because it's great to not be talking about a kicker competition right now and to not have, you know, eight kickers all doing, the, you know, the, what was it, the Augusta silence to try and replicate difficult kick situations and, you know, Eddie Pinero and all that stuff. I mean, the kicker drama is over, and it is such a relief. And I'm, I'm trying not to reinstitute kicker drama here. But... I, I, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no fear in that regard of will, who will the Bears have kicking for them. But I, I'm just, I don't know yet how much I'm ready to fully trust Cairo Santo. I had all the trust in him by the end of last season. He hit 93.8% of his field goals last year, 
one of the more accurate kickers in the NFL, a career-high field goal accuracy. He was locked in, and it was a great weapon to have. It was so relieving by the end of the season to just actually trust that a field goal was going to go in when the kicker lined up to take it. But that hasn't necessarily been Cairo Santos' career up to that point. You, you want him to keep it up? Absolutely. If, if he can keep this going, the Bears are set. But recent history from Cairo Santos is five teams in the last four seasons. You know, kind of for his career, he's hovered around, you know, the upper 70% field goal, lower 80s, kind of in that range. And so maybe 2020, he turned a corner. You know, he gets this deep into his career. He's built sort of this confidence and settled in and say, you know what? I found a home. I like Chicago. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable with this team, these coaches. And he's just dialed in. And from here on out, he's going to be great. You just have to hope it's not like a, a one-year wonder type situation. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a, what have you done for me lately? And lately, he has been great. So let's keep that going. And let's keep that continuity on the special teams unit. Because Pat O'Donnell, back again, kind of locked in as your Bears punter, or even on kind of shorter, cheap deals. Same long snapper, Patrick Scales. Nothing to really get into that way. The only other question on special teams for me is the kick return position where you have zero continuity from last season. Cordero Patterson, now gone. He was a real weapon to have on kickoff returns. And then after Tariq Cohen got hurt last season, the punt returners became this whole carousel. We kind of broke down that carousel and went back through the whole punt returner situation. Boy, it was it been a couple of months ago now on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So I don't want to rehash that whole discussion again. But I am curious to see what the rotation looks like at, at training camp. Is Tariq Cohen just your all-around return guy now? He's done kickoffs before. He was the punt return guy. You just give those to him and say it's yours. Then does that cut into his offense, or do you want it to cut into his offense? Because you have Damian Williams, so maybe you don't need as much Cohen on offense, although I would rather have Cohen on offense than Cohen on special teams. But right there's a, there's a balance to be had there. Or Marquise Goodwin, he's got the vertical speed, and he's competing in track qualifying events. Could he be a kickoff return guy in that rotation? We've seen Anthony Miller get some shots there, but the team doesn't certainly have much apparent trust in him at receiver, and I think he muffed a couple of punts last year when he had an opportunity back there. I don't know that there's a lot of trust there. Eddie Jackson was a punt returner in college. He's gotten a couple of those opportunities through his Bears career, but you don't really want to take away from what he's doing on defense. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see where they might start mixing maybe some younger players into this rotation just to see what they have. I think, for me, knowing that you're going to have a step back from Cordero Patterson, just get me a guy on kickoffs and punts. It's going to catch the ball every single time. He's going to fair catch it when he's supposed to, and he's not going to muff it, and he's not going to fumble it. If, if I don't get a kickoff return or a punt return touchdown all season, I'm not going to sweat it. It's a nice bonus. If Tariq Cohen can do that, great. But just get me a few yards and don't fumble the ball, and I'm happy. Totally happy because a lot of kickoffs are going to be touchbacks. A lot of punts are going to be downed or out of bounds. So just get me some kind of consistency that's not going to completely botch it, and I'm totally good. Uh, that's, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't take much more than that. Special teams does still matter, but obviously the league has made it matter a little bit less in recent seasons, and that's why we, we stuck to just a, a little segment at the end of the safety preview to sneak some special teams in there because they still can be special, but I just need them to be not especially bad. Puts a bow on training camp previews, because next week the Bears are coming to Hallis Hall for their first Hallis Hall training camp that's going to be open to the public. We will have all the coverage you need for players reporting, Eddie, J Eddie Goldman potentially coming back, and so much more. So make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth 
Chicago Bears news and analysis. I know it's not technically until, I think, midweek next week that the Bears actually physically report, but we made it. I mean, we are right at the finish line of this offseason, these two months here where there's just no Bears practices or no Bears press conferences, not a lot of Bears developments. We have powered through. We've done it together. I appreciate everyone who's been following along, listening throughout these long summer months because you have made it, and we are just so, so close to finally being able to bear down.